0: Hello everyone, welcome to Bonus Podcast. I'm the host, Donatas Urbonas, and I'm here with my colleague, Rites Visnavskas. And the amount of water in this glass shows how much time we spend for talking, let's say, in pre-podcast uh, mm-hmm. time. So, I'm glad to have you here. It's an emergency podcast, as we call it, because uh,
1: we are out of our usual schedule You're when right. we record I on Mondays. Probably it's the best idea to record right now when there are still some fresh emotions from the game five in Piraeus, also Barcelona-Bayern. So uh, maybe our listeners
0: will be more of than course, happy of course. to have
1: this podcast uh, Probably on, it'll be one of on, the shortest podcasts
0: we had because it'll be focused mainly on these game but fives sh- and all the should experiences. should be an interesting one because really there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, because both games were like emergency uh, games with some emergency situations, I would say. Elimination games are always like this, even though your favorites, your underdogs, both teams. And both favorites, they
1: were yeah. pushed to ropes, so actually. Y- usually when you're the favorite, it's more difficult to cope with the pressure. And I believe in some situations, the home crowd doesn't really help you. If you're struggling, if you're behind, sometimes the noise, the atmosphere can actually affect you negatively. Mm-hmm. It's up to the players to step up and show courage in these moments, and I definitely saw some players thriving under pressure. Uh, I mean, I guys, was, guys like Slukas or Laprovittola. I La was so surprised. Laprovittola had his career best
0: performance. Yeah, but the way they started the game, I mean, Olympiakos guys, Mustafa Fahl, instead of just dunking the ball easily, being under the basket, yeah. he was missing layups. I think that Lucas also made some uh, not usual the decisions first, for in him. In the
1: first half, Slukas was really
0: gone. He was off. Yeah, but the second half, he showed w- w- why w- he is one of the w- best. W- we can start analyzing the game with knowing what had happened, actually, yeah. before the game, after the game. So let's just please start with... KD in attendance for the second yes. consecutive playoff game. Yes. And, you know, his appearance in these playoffs stuck to our minds so much that now you're dreaming about KD, right? You must tell us that story. Well, I had a difficult night, first of all, really a very emotional night
1: because as you know, I'm deep te- team Pep Guardiola for life. So I was really hurt by yesterday's football events. So I didn't really go to sleep. I actually switched off my phone. I watched the Champions League without knowing the scores from from Piraeus. And then in... It was actually hard, probably. Yeah. I just switched off the phone Uh so that no one would text me. I wouldn't read anything. I wouldn't scroll anything because if I go to Twitter, I will definitely see something. So I I just switched off. And after football, I was, I mean, so depressed. I don't know what's the word. Uh, But then I still found energy inside me to watch Monaco and Audi. And after the game, I I obviously was thinking about a lot of stuff. It was hard to sleep. And when I fell asleep, I had a dream about me, my brother, and my father being in our summer house, uh, spending some time. And then there was a knock on the door, and it was KD. And he said, can I use your bathroom? (laughs) And it was Kevin Durant walking upstairs to use our bathroom and I was just looking at my father and my brother and
0: saying guys Kevin Durant <laughs> is pissing in our <laughs> summer house. And summer house is not like probably a lot of foreigners imagining the summer house. It's, it's a a not on really the beach. Lithuania yeah. really no, is different.
1: It's a really small house, an old house near near uh, lake. It's basically for fishing purposes, <laughs> but but KD decided to stop there and use our bathroom. Uh, that's everything I can remember from my dream about Kevin Durant. <laughs> he was really
0: stuck in my head, but, but he was also like dreaming and, and and that game. He
1: chose the best Euroleague series to mm. follow for these two games, obviously because of the quality and everything and the atmosphere. He shared those.
0: Uh, Apocalypse videos. Apocalypse, yeah. yeah,
1: apocalypse videos, as he called them. And he said, like in the NBA, if you bring a fire, you're gonna get arrested. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> that's true. But that's why the maybe some that's people, why Europe is so unique. Maybe some people should have been arrested <laughs> in Greece <laughs> as well for for their actions. Uh, for a second, I thought, what a pointless job it is to be a steward in this game. Are you planning to contain the crowd f- from going there and <laughs> celebrating? <laughs> I, I, I probably think some of the stewards were celebrating together with everybody. In sometimes <laughs> in the all crowd. these stewards,
0: they're also fans. I remember <laughs> yes. even in Pontlayko's game when I was, I was visiting, like 20, 30, or 40 ultras uh, came to Media Tribune because they were mm-hmm. like killing uh, POWs, football clubs president, because that something was going on. And Steward was like just like this, standing on the corner, not looking what's happening. So It is
1: interesting sometimes to see these people in, in some big sporting events you're thinking like they should be completely disinterested in sports in order to just look at a stance all the time and not look at what's happening on the court. For example, in in like FIBA events, in in Olympics, in in FIFA World Cup, the rules are very strict. Mm -hmm. You cannot be off guard. You always have to be focused on your job. In EuroLeague, it's a home team. They're playing a home game. They're willing to pay the fines if EuroLeague will give them They should probably. I
0: I want to see the protocol of the EuroLeague, you know, the officer of that game, because I believe it's going to be a very long list of uh, different kind of fines. So
1: Kevin Durant witnessed people lighting fire in the stands. He witnessed people...
0: Invading the court twice.
1: the the, the court twice. Um, People sitting on the rim. (laughs) People doing all sorts of crazy stuff. (laughs) Booing him. And he is playing in the NBA where... The only emotion you get is, ref, you suck. Ref, you suck. Defense.
0: <laughs> what a Defense. What a pressure! <laughs>
1: <laughs> no wonder there's a quote from Kevin saying that he would like to spend his last season uh, in his career playing in Barcelona. I think after witnessing this playoff series, he could have more destinations that, that than just Barca. That was his quotes
0: uh, from 2019. And Xardes wasn't the coach of Barca. So probably now watching Barca, uh, I'm not so sure about Barca. Monaco, maybe. He could find some interesting options if
1: he wants to. All of us would be more than happy to see KD in EuroLeague. Doesn't matter if he's 36, 37, whatever, it would be something huge.
0: Anyway. Hey, that's a crazy idea, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And if this series had any impact on his future decisions to try himself here.
1: KD's personal visit is actually a great promo for the EuroLeague. That's the best promo. Other NBA players. Obviously, they look up to Kevin Durant and and they will talk with him. He will share his experiences. Mm -hmm. He will say some positive things about Europe, the atmosphere and everything. And maybe, who knows, in five years' time, in 10 years' time, we'll see more big-name NBA players taking a journey to Europe. Because it's not only about the money, it's also about the experience. These people, they're filthy rich. They want adventures. They want challenges. So, yeah, but... Okay, that's it about KD. Let's talk about the games, actually, one by one. I think we should start probably with Barca because they played on Tuesday. You sure about that? Yes. Olympiacos. But let's leave the best for for, for, for the last. Barca, Bayern, let's talk about them a little bit. Uh, You were there, so you should share some of your experiences.
0: It it was crazy, too, because I came on a game day. I took an early flight at 6 in the morning. Uh, and they, I left the following day also at six in the morning. So uh, it was like a sleepless journey mo- mostly. And what was funny, what also tells about this unique European experience that as soon as we landed in Barca, it was, it was bad flight, let's say. It was, uh, I had a connection in Warsaw and then uh, you know, that was a uh, Warsaw to Barcelona flight. And uh, one, ha- uh, one fan hit me up uh, he recognized me, he was from Lithuania and said, oh, we came here to rescue Shadas. And I was like, wow. I Then I, I remember that I saw one guy in, in, in Jordan's uh, hoodie and I was like, I was definitely sure he was with, with, with his dad. I was definitely sure that they also came for the game. What was funny that that guy actually replied me on Twitter that, yeah, I, I was there. And I, I calculated at least 10 Lithuanian fans in Palau Blue Grana, which is crazy. There
1: was a guy with Jalgiris uh, t-shirt yeah. on camera. That was even he there was a guy with Lithovai hat. Like,
0: no, well, okay, in this Greece, is, this is that not that guy with exactly. hat. That, that right? guy in Barca was nothing, you know, surprising because compared Shadas, to that guy with Lithovai hat sitting in the almost courtside seats. But in dude, Peace and Friendship. he could city. be a,
1: a Greek person with Lithovai hat. I doubt it. He had this Man, Lithuanian I, looks. In the last podcast. I was with an Argentina shirt. So does that make you it think Argentine? that there's another
0: freak in, in, in Greece? Don't you think
1: there are people in Greece that appreciate <laughs> Lithuanian basketball? <laughs> mm, maybe, maybe. Maybe he's a Lithuanian, maybe he's on vacation in Greece. And Yeah, in 1995,
0: Greeks were mm, chanting Lietuva, Lietuva in I the think, Eurobasket I finals against Yugoslavia. I think Lithuanians
1: respect Greek basketball history as much as the Greeks respect ours. I don't see any reason why they shouldn't because we had some great uh, games against each other. We had some uh, Lithuanian legendary players playing for g- Greek clubs.
0: Could be, could be. I'm, Although I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm saying, I'm, I'm not kind of ruling feeling it. that it was Lithuanian.
1: I'm not ruling it out.
0: Yeah, but because I uh, I know personally a couple of Lithuanians who went for the mm. Monaco Olympiaco series.
1: Okay. But Barça series, obviously, for many Lithuanians, w- was the more important one because um, the support Yasekavicius still has in Lithuania, especially in Kaunas, is huge. Mm. So no surprise that people were traveling to Barcelona yeah, to, to enjoy the, to one of the, the games and at the same time spend yeah. some, some spend some quality yeah. time maybe with their friends. So
0: the game itself actually didn't went the way I, I thought it would. Me too. I agree. I expected something like Zenit Barca last year. Okay, m- maybe not thirty-point uh, game, but you know something like solid. Uh, in the win first half, the you could
1: feel that some of Barca's players were not really coping with the pressure. Barca was suffering a lot for for because of um, Nicolaidis' inability to hit shots, and Bayern were really in a good position. They were leading by six. They, of course, they had some crazy shots by Yaramaz and all that stuff. But at the same time, you saw crazy energy from Otello Hunter. You I saw love uh, Otello Hunter.
0: That how you play, wow. you couldn't say he's 35. No. And, I mean, Trinchiere talked him out of retirement oh before the season. That's, that's crazy. That's crazy as it sounds. You and he th- scored... Season high eighteen points. You cannot retire when you're still doing and one LU plays. He did everything. He did three pointers and sp- uh, one LU play. Yeah, three pointers. He was shooting threes like a shooting guard. Corner freeze. I mean, he was hitting corner freeze like he's Brook Lopez all of a sudden. In, in this series, he made four <laughs> three pointers, and in his entire nine-year career in EuroLeague, he hit three. Yeah, it's it's just crazy. He was getting all these offensive rebounds, he was blocking shots, changing uh, changing shots at the rim. I mean, he was super important mm-hmm. for them to, to be in front in the first half. So
1: yeah, they were leading by six. They had actually role players like Shishko performing well. They were in a good position. However... In halftime, probably Sharas made some good decisions and said some words to his team. He shortened the rotation, which was necessary. He went for Abrinas instead of Kurij, who was not feeling good.
0: Um, yeah, because he was sick. In yeah, the he hospital. was sick. Yeah. And
1: Abrinas gives you more size and he made some crucial shots. Abrinas was great. Got some great. rebounds, defensive plays. Abrinas
0: was great. Very important so impact from the second quarter. He so.
1: shortened the rotation and he went with the lineup that can win the game. And what Nicolas Laprovitola did, I mean, Mirotic did what we expect from him, right? There's nothing sensational. Mirotic no, was that's good.
0: how the MVP should yeah. play
1: every game in but the playoffs. But what Nicolas Laprovitola did, it's greatness of highest level. Nicolas Laprovitola was never considered a star player in Europe. He became a Euroleague player late in his career. Yeah, We can remember him playing in Vilnius in mediocre Spanish teams. We can remember him being in the NBA because he's friend of Manu Ginobili and just getting some games on the Spurs roster, but he was never really NBA material. We remember when Real Madrid signed him, we thought, like, well, he's a backup, but is he up to that level to play for Madrid? Then when Barca signed him, we also had doubts, like,
0: is he a player that Charles needs? I mean, even before signing with Barca, he was in a, such a market situation where he was considering Zalgiris' offer, and he st- decided to stay in the market, to wait for some offers. And, you know, that's where Barca offer came up. At
1: the age of 32. Now,
0: all of a sudden,
1: the most important game of the season. Nicola Provitola played with so much flair, so much passion. I think it's a coincidence, but it just happened so that you had an interview with Navarro, and he said that uh, exactly. La Provitola is the most exciting player to watch on Barca team right now, and he kind of reminds me of myself.
0: And and I saw that some fans, they were making jokes about it. Because it, yeah. for for somebody, it it looked like, you know, some stupid thing Navarro said. But, there were, but that was the first thing I thought about watching La Provitola killing Bayern. There were La Bomba type of plays, there were Steph Curry type of plays, there were deep freeze. I mean... He scored 26 points, five of seven threes, but I didn't see any like open look three points any easy shot. These were just typical Lapros bombs, unguardable shots like uh, Navarro. Driving to the left,
1: finishing with the left hand, drawing fouls, outsmarting the opponents. We know that Laprovitola sometimes he can be sort of chaotic, Mm -hmm. but in this game he was so focused on the task He was the best player on the court. And Lapro and Mirotic were two players carrying Barcelona's offense because once again, they faced an issue of not making shots. Mm -hmm. Bayern were taking smart defensive risks. They were giving away shots to Kledis. They were giving away shots to Hayes. And in the first half, it worked. Bayern were leading 37-31. At the end of the day, we saw Barca also playing great defense. Bayern in the second half, they were living off crazy shots. Like Yaramaz... That buzzer beater, ops, the buzzer beater, free, Othello Hunter hitting two, two threes, frees, but it didn't really create much, and the team probably reached their
0: limits. Of course, of course, playing game five against Barca, it's already but over your ceiling. This team is their heroes. For you what they Bayern. did, Bayern—they're yeah, yeah, yeah. heroes. Course, for what they did,
1: no doubt. Barça players were up obviously celebrating. It is uh, something to celebrate when you reach a final four. It doesn't matter—you're the fir- first seed, second seed, or whatever. You're the richest club in the Europe. To reach the final four is difficult. They were celebrating, and it's well deserved. But at the same time, you could see more of a relief in Barça's camp, mm-hmm. and a lot of pride in Bayern's camp. Trinkieri was so proud of his players. Mm-hmm. Tello Hunter, all the other veteran guys were so proud. It's amazing what they did, really, Uh, hats off to Bayern.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I wrote in my article, that there were no losers in this uh, series. And when you think about it, to beat Bayern, I mean, for the first seeded team, to beat eight seeded team, which was playing without two players who average 31% of total team points, Barca needed career hire from Nikolas Laprovital. I mean, top notch performance, incredible game, amazing performance, one of the best in the playoff uh, game five history of the EuroLeague. And Nikola Mirotic as well, scoring 20 points, which, okay, we said that it's how the MVP should play, but. it turns out it was just his second ever 20-plus mm. uh, game in the playoffs uh, because, he's, okay, there were times that just uh, was struggling or he was just getting all this defensive uh, attention. So they needed these factors to beat this Bayern team. And that's a huge recognition uh, for all Bayern team, starting from a genius coach, Andrea Trinkieri, then going to the sports director, Daniela Boyesi, who built this team full of fighters. And of course, you know, the the GM, Marco Pesic, who, who let's say, put these people in the top positions. That's how the uh, small market team should work. I yeah. mean, they hired the best people in the top positions, and that's where the culture, building the culture starts. Mm. I cannot imagine better coach for a small market team like Andrea Trinchieri. Daniela Baez is a super creative uh, sports director who always finds some interesting pieces, let's say, underachievers and making them overachievers. Uh, so it's just incredible. And uh, what what I loved the most about this Bayern, which you mentioned that, okay, a Hunter making threes, what the hell is, is that? Yaramas, all these three-pointers. But in every situation, when we kind of felt that, oh, it's over. I mean, there's no chance that Bayern will, will win, you know, game game 4 they are done they already did uh, enough too much when we they were capable of and then start you know obst for example he scored like a season high career high 15 points Then we see um, them containing Barca to 52 points in in, in game four and extending the series to game five. Game five comes. We thought that there was no chance. Yaramas starts making shots. Hunter, all the other guys. Fast fast break
1: points, second chance points.
0: Nick Weiler-Bob, he suddenly became the point guard of the team and he was one of the most efficient players, averaging like 10 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds, 14 performance index rating. I mean, the always bounce back and there was a great quote by trincheri saying that we didn't i told my team in teammates it it told my team my players not to leave any bullet left and that's that's what happened they used their all bullets and they fought like hell and i think it's a big big honor
1: i think the only thing that was lacking in game five which could give bayern a bigger chance to compete and Maybe win the game, maybe snatch a win somehow. Was uh, points from Lucic and Rubit? two very that's important true. players. There were no points actually from them, they didn't contribute in points. I'm not saying it's uh, them to blame. Barca were playing some great defense, yeah. Lucic, that's a great was team. really, uh, he was always getting the he was really defended very attention. well, right? And Rubic didn't have a lot of open, clean looks, but these are two players that really need to score points for Bayern to win games, uh, at least.
0: Ten points, but that's or what something. makes this team special. I mean, other players stepped up. Like, yeah, they the did. Ever, but every, I'm every, just every saying, in this game five, yeah.
1: best case scenario, if you want to win, you still need something mm. from Lucic, something from Rubitz, some sort of contribution. You cannot expect mm. Hunter winning to win games by hitting three pointers. At the same time, we're talking about Byron's I- injuries, but let's admit that Barça had real problems. Uh-huh. And Shara's told you after the game. I mm. mean. Courage, Davis being in a hospital, Dante Exum getting injured. It was not an easy way for Barcelona. And maybe it's a lesson for them moving forward. Mm. Close the series earlier. Mm. If, you drag, it to game, it if you drag the series to Game 5, anything can happen. Injuries, illness, anything can hit you. And when you have a chance, when you're leading 2-1, when you're the better team, this Barca team needs that killer instinct. They mm. still don't have it, I, f- I, I think. I mean, they can win the Final Four, they can have an uh, amazing season with a treble, but you still have that feeling they need the killer instinct mm. to close series and to close yeah. games how a little bit better. It sounds when
0: you have Miritic, Calaitis, uh, Lopavito, <coughs> of course, okay, Higgins is out. It's how, how, how crazy uh, it sounds. By the way, talking about injuries, what do you think, uh, how important is the fact that might miss the final four, uh, at least how sh- sh- what has told, that he's uh, he will likely miss from two to three weeks, which basically clashes the final four in Belgrade, which will be in, on May 1921, uh, 21st. Uh, what do you think? Is it like important factor uh, for Barca? Um, because actually he, he was having difficult series, we have to admit.
1: If, if, they, if they will know from the beginning that he's not going to be there, players will, will be ready they will be prepared uh, alex Abrinas is in a great shape right now and honestly Dante Exum is a great player i don't think his injury is a huge game changer for the upcoming el clasico in the semifinals maybe real madrid will have some absences as well i don't know so they have players to pick they have Abrinas. they have kuric maybe he may he will he will be
0: a return so earlier, although I I, he was out like for three months and he before he already missed a lot of time so. I, don't, I don't think it's such a big deal, honestly mm. Dante Exum's
1: impact for Barca was huge when he yeah. signed for them he was a huge spark off the bench but right now, sh- again, you're playing one game Shara shortened his rotation to like seven players in, in game five I expect him to do something similar in, in a semi-final or in a final, so nah, I think they'll cope with it, just, they'll be just fine
0: Sharif said another nice thing because he became the first man in the EuroLeague uh, who made at least three Final Four appearances, both as a player and as a coach. Um, but there were, like, nice words. Uh, uh, he he was saying that uh, he, he wished he was playing in this game or, like, uh, he wished uh, he was in Lapro La shoes. So yeah, La he Pro was Vitale. jealous, you know, making such a big place in front of a, such an amazing crowd because the atmosphere in Palau was was really incredible because it's, it's the unique arena. Uh, the capacity of the arena of Palau is something around 7.5 uh, thousands, but it, it's built for a great atmosphere. They have, like, a... Some um, short roof, and even if there were like nine German fans, and if Barca mm. they was were somewhere struggling, the they balcony. were on the roof almost. You could he- kind of easily hear hear them because of the all the sound system, because of the roof. So even though, the, for example, before the game, the arena was like half empty because uh, it, it was pretty early game by Spanish ta- standards, around mm. eight o'clock. So it took some time to fill yeah, all I, the arena. I was,
1: I was so scared, like watching on television, mm. there are three or two minutes and they'll yeah. tip off and so many in, in empty seats, I, I thought, for game five, they're not showing sure? up yep, what's I, happening. I, I but with, in the middle of yeah. the first
0: quarter, it was full. I talked with our colleague, uh, Thomas Romanskos. He's a Lithuanian journalist working here. He said that it's just yeah. too early because people in, in Barca, they're still uh, working at yeah, the time. It. But it was it. a season record crowd. seven point yeah. four thousand uh, people with just a few empty seats. Great atmosphere. It was, it was a hell of a pleasure to to, you know, witness that game five, to see all these emotions from both teams because, as I said, you know, there were no losers. There was a great pride uh, of, of both teams and it's that's how the series should have ended, but was the best that, you know, it was so intriguing uh, to watch.
1: I have an interesting question, finishing about Bayern. Okay. Do you think they will find energy within themselves to approach what's left in the Bundesliga? Or do you think that Alba Berlin will have a legit chance to I think again they be have the a German legit champions? Chance,
0: really, because I think that now they're currently in the third place and they, I think that they still have three games to play. One of the last teams to finish the regular season in Germany. But this thing is that there is no difference how will they've played these rest of, th- of the games. They will meet the same opponent. It doesn't have any difference. But watching them... With all these injuries, okay, Corey Walden might come back, but, after, you know, going through three COVID outbreaks, all these injuries, Hillard is out, players, probably, they were washed up, after this year, it's gonna be hard, for it's Alba, hard it's a to great recover
1: chance. mentally, and yeah. to prepare and especially for when
0: Alba had a, such a great yeah. season, they and the early, they, are a really team. they, they have a good, team. good potential, to win it all, so, I'm kind of concerned for Bayern because probably it's that market where you know, okay, they did good in the playoffs. They did an amazing job, but probably ownership, you know, they would like to, to well, see them it's celebrating it's the it's German nice title. It's
1: nice to be German champions, right? It's nice to win a cup, but in a bigger picture, making the Euroleague playoffs is
0: it's it's clear it's for more us more important. Of course, but from German side, you know, know. even the last year, I've heard some, you know, people saying that if the German boss said that, okay, your goal is to make the uh, to win the German title, and okay, you can be competitive in the regular season of the Euroleague, even though to make the top eight playoffs yeah. and you don't want the championship, it's this it's is this is why I don't like situation. I, I don't like Different the situation in,
1: in, in European basketball. This is why I don't like it. The stakes are not high enough for the national championships. You you lose the finals, you're still in the Euroleague, you're still going to be there in the elite division. It doesn't affect your future at all if you lose the German league finals I, d- I can like talk it. about it I for hours. We, we've talked yeah, about it tough. before, but I, I'm just saying, like now the EuroLeague season ends. Even those teams that compete in the final four, after the final four, they still have these playoffs. Uh, I think it's not a good situation for everybody: fans, players, coaches. But we whatever. all know that. Yeah, whatever. But let's
0: move on. Let's move on. Olympiacos Monaco,
1: another game five.
0: <laughs> and our <laughs> underdog, let's say, uh, lower seeded team being up in the second half. I never had a feeling, actually, they're going to win this game, to be honest. I was a bit concerned, actually. I, I never had a feeling. Honest. And
1: when they were on the court with Mike James for fouls and with Don Natas, they just could not
0: defend at all. No, that it foul by Paris Lee, when he fouled yeah. out, that was a crucial moment. I mean, after that, Lucas in the following four minutes, he scored 10 points. Well, he was on fire because there was nobody to yeah. guard them. Off These clean. players were four fouls.
1: Dorsey also, also made some pretty easy buckets. Mm, probably the game didn't go Olympiacos' way because if you're Oli, you want to reduce the score... You don't want to race with Monaco in points like finishing on 90, close to 90 points. Olympiakos, I expected something more like game one when they only conceded 57 points, something like that. But it didn't really go as planned. And one of the key reasons, out of nowhere, Jakub Autara hitting shots like almost five three-pointers in the first half. He was a player in the rotation for defensive purposes to cover eight, ten minutes exactly. guarding Thomas Walkup. He started hitting spot-up shots and it changed everything. and it's
0: Lee also joined him. So.
1: Paris Lee hit a lot of shots but f- from Olympiacos' perspective the good thing is that others responded. Shaq McKissick, what a crazy first-half performance. Thomas Walkup again amazing. Even when Lucas was struggling, they were they were hanging in there because McKissick can walk up with their energy.
0: They were yeah. feeding everybody in the building, actually. I mean, McKissick kept them alive in the second the quarter. He yeah. scored 16 points, but the team, the rest of the guys, they were really struggling to to catch up Monaco offensively.
1: What a difference it actually makes when McKissick hits some free pointers Yes, yes, yes. Because when he doesn't hit them, you can they were you can, you, you can taking risk th- on them. Yeah, I mean you could a whole series, see. A whole yeah. series, and there were yeah. games where it worked. Yeah, but when he's not hitting shots, you can think McKissick being on the floor is good for the opponents. Mm. But when he made some buckets, it just unlocked the door for him to do all mm-hmm. stuff that he likes. Open court plays, end one plays, driving to the paint, finishing with contact. He was just dominating and keeping them in the game for a certain period. Walk-up, I don't even have words for him, what he did in the series. He's the series MVP for me, actually. I know there were big performances and big, big mm-hmm. shots by Lukas by Vezenkov, the three plus one over Will Thomas, but Thomas Walkup is the MVP of the series, honestly.
0: I agree with you. I really agree with you, Uh, because he was working on double shift. Uh, Not only he was, I wouldn't say, stopping Mike James, because probably it's impossible to stop him, but he was containing Mike James to, okay, 17.6 points. Putting down his numbers. But his shooting percentage was only 34 uh, on 13.6 shots per game. So this is what you can afford, mm-hmm. uh, having, you know, this player scoring almost uh, 18 points. And the most importantly is that he was also making shots offensively. He was averaging 11.2 points per game. He was the first best scorer of Olympiakos team in the series, uh, adding um, 3.4 assists, uh, 12.6 uh, performance in the index rating. And his he has the best plus and minus, minus in the entire series. So, I mean, he was doing everything uh, he could even probably going over his limits making important shots seven points in a row i think it was the third quarter stealing all these balls i mean he i already love him in the regular season he was just making three pointers in a terrible terrible percentage something like 23 but now he improved f- uh, offensively, and you know, finally, mm. people starting you know recognize his true value to the team, and we're not even discussing his off the court uh, values he's he's giving to the team.
1: I think Hassan Martin's comeback was also important. Uh, the pick and rolls with Hassan Martin are much better than with Jean Charles, for example. Hassan Martin is is a better player on defense as well in pick and roll defense situations. So Hassan Martin actually gave them some very good minutes. Not everything worked out in Mustafa Fall's favor in this game. He's one of those players that always has the size advantage, but in this game, he seemed like mentally he yeah. wasn't
0: there. as I told you, he was missing open dunks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So probably some the Martin, for
1: his entire performance. San Martin being back was a huge thing yeah. for Olympiacos, actually. Uh, I think Monaco should not have any regrets. They had a great journey in this season's EuroLeague. No, no. Um, with a deeper squad, with better
0: defense, they're more balanced they, squads. Yeah. They
1: could have beaten one of the best uh, Euroleague teams at the moment. But right now, we have to admit it's a very well deserved final four for Olympiacos. They've been waiting for it f- five or six years.
0: What was that, mm. the last time when they played Since in the Final Four? For years, yeah. and they were not winning it. Yeah, something like that. For a while, there, for there, was there, there were, were no Greek teams in the Final Four, yeah. and actually, for a couple of
1: years, there were no Greek teams in the playoffs. Mm. So, people started talking about the Greek clubs being in
0: decline. But uh, all if, if you remember, when Thomas Walker joined Olympiakos, and in one of his in first interviews, he said something like that, with Olympiakos, I will have a better chance to win. And people in Lithuania, they were oh, like yeah. making jokes oh, about yeah. it because Olympiacos at that time. They were not so far away. I think that Jarlgiris last was even
1: season got two wins against Olympiakos. and I think and that they, they were finished higher. higher the Jalgiris were yeah. 17 wins and 17 losses, Oli was somewhere lower. And yes, I remember the mood, uh, yeah, uh, within Lithuania basketball fans. Doing? People were talking, okay, if he signed for FS or yeah. Milan or Barca, yeah, he's going to the final four probably. But he signed for Oli, he has the same opportunities yeah. with Jalgiris. That, that was the yes. actual mood at yes, the moment yes, when exactly. he signed. But then other signings followed, like Dorsey and other players, and you saw the team playing in the regular season, they were actually great and in this series. Some could say they had more problems than expected, but you just have to respect Monaco. You have to respect talent. Monaco is a team based on pure skill. And Mike James, I don't care about his shooting numbers, the effort that is required from the other team to at least... Prevent him mm. from scoring easy buckets to just guard him for forty minutes nonstop is I mean and it creates so many
0: so much so many opportunities it's, it's, forever. It's ridiculous,
1: honestly. Mm. Again, he was two from ten shooting freeze, but he had a lot of assists. He had a double double, twenty four points, ten assists. He was trying to keep his team in the game. I read some comments on Twitter, for example, criticizing Mike James for this performance. Come on, man! He was the leader of the team. He was there. He showed up. They lost to a better team. That's it. I I think you should appreciate both teams in this case. And I loved Mike James uh, on Twitter when he just said congratulations to Olympiacos. They are great. I will cheer for them in the final four. That's the way you should approach things like this. You lose the playoff series, you give respect to the other team.
0: It's it's incredible when you think of Monaco building the team basically in the end of September. (laughs) Uh, I mean, all these different pieces, all these, let's say, wild cards, uh, high risk uh, moves. It looked like, I mean, there sometimes- Just imagine where would he be without James, Will Thomas and Bacon? Probably at the bottom of the standings. I mean, really. What? I mean, I'm talking about 14 seeds. something With like Leo that. Westerman
1: running the show, with all the respect, yeah. he got a lot slower than he was in his best days. Yeah, they would be near Pau, yeah, Zalgiris and, and, and these other teams. And you know,
0: there are these big prog- projects sometimes like Partizan, Virtus, other big teams. And, you know, one of the m- most common exu- excuses is that, oh, even though we have some big names, big money and big projects, it still takes a lot of time. We have to build for it for like two or three years. And now we have Monaco. Team coming from nowhere, they, didn't, they, they weren't even supposed to play in the Euro League. Somehow they won the Euro Cup. They had all these investments before the season, some luck, I would say, on the market. When you got Mike James from nowhere, he was under under contract with CSKA. Will Thomas the same with Unix. And now they're building the team completely from scratch. Even looking the way they play, the way the roster is built, you can clearly miss some players who could share the ball, who could play better defense, better organized basketball. That is why they brought Sasha Obradovich. That's true, but In no, the middle coach, of season. coach, he made a lot of great adjustments, but still that team was missing all these, let's say, European basketball qualities. Yes. And, and still they managed to be few shots away from making the Final Four. It, it's just incredible.
1: There were two very uh, different schools of basketball facing each other. Olympiakos is sort of an academic team r- ran by uh, classic point guards team basketball, not necessarily based on skill and uh, individuality, and Monaco is more of an American team. But when they faced each other, it was something great, really, and I have to appreciate both teams. Monaco, as you said, they were like seven points away from making it to the Final Four in in the club's uh, first season. Uh, Who knows what they will have next year, who knows which players will stay. Uh, the Mike James situation is probably difficult because right now he's still on a contract with the payroll. I
0: think, from you know, the splits, a little bit, right? The payroll, both Cesca and Monaco. So you could of imagine f-
1: for him to stay, okay, one thing, you tick the box, Monaco will be in the Euroleague. That's that's very important. Mike James seems to be quite happy there. Uh-huh. These are good things, but do you know his pinned. Tweet on his Twitter account. No discounts. No discounts on my service. that's the issue. There won't be any discounts. And now, if you have to cover his full payroll, what are we talking about? And
0: Two million euros. Why Mike should take any discounts after the season where he, he was shouldn't. in a MVP race shouldn't. and where he put his team on the game? There will be uh, interesting
1: fire. moves on the market. For example, if Shane Larkin is moving and the Collo is moving, a lot of players, guards, are moving, switching teams. Mike James could have great offers. So definitely he's not going to do any discounts. I would like him to stay in Monaco. Yeah. yeah. And it looks like a good fit, yeah, at least for now. It's,
0: it's hard to understand his priorities right now because even in Joe Orlauska's uh, podcast, uh, he said that he has like one, two years left. So I, what, I, I mean, just hate hearing all these talks. For example, Kyle Heinz talking about Othello retirement. Tello Hunter, Hunter retiring, Mike James, son, I'm
1: going to retire. I'm being selfish, obviously, because I love watching them compete. Yeah, for them, it's and we don't know what they're going through. It's you different know? if they don't yeah. have anything to prove; they already feel sorted and happy, and and they want to live life.
0: Yeah. Or they, yeah, or they just tired of everything outside of
1: basketball. So it's fine, but watching them play, it's it's unfair if these guys are going to retire. It's
0: unfair to when basketball. When Polis
1: and Kunas is retiring, or yeah. Navarro was retiring, or Reyes was retiring, it seemed natural. Yeah, they declined. Even though Navarro wanted to play that uh, one year. Well, thank God he didn't because, (laughs) honestly, the last season was not good. But, I mean, these guys got the proper respect all over Europe when they retired, but they retired at the right time when they were declining. These players I'm talking about, they're not declining. I I understand the philosophy... I will retire when I'm still great mm-hmm. because I don't want to look in the mirror thinking, man, I used to be a baller and now I just cannot do all these things. But Mike James, I, I think he still have has four or five years in him, not like one or two. Mm. He seems like he's taking good care of himself. Doesn't have a lot of bad injuries or something. I don't know. So... Yeah, a lot
0: of depends on Monaco as well and their financial capabilities. Uh, From what I've heard, they will increase their budget, but different from what was reported on Eurohoops, at least as far as I heard. I mean, Eurohoops reported that they might increase their budget for salaries only uh, up to 18 million euros, which would make them like top five, top six team in the EuroLeague. But from what I've heard, it's, it's not true. And the best case scenario... The total budget should be around 18 million euros, and considering that some tax uh, moments, let's say tax uh, nuances, mm, the payroll would increase somewhere up to 8 million euros. So it's you know it's not it's nothing s- significant, let's say, especially when you have to keep not only Mike James but, for example, Alpha Diallo, who uh, Diallo, who is making like uh, 100, 160,000 uh, euros. He is of underpaid. He is underpaid. One of the for most for underpaid players for what
1: he delivers. He's yeah, and they, so if, if, they, if they want
0: to keep, I mean, Donta Hall or Donatos Motunas one of them should stay. They will have to pay because uh, there's no way that Motunas will <laughs> decrease his financial um, demands less than 500,000 euros or Donta Hall, I mean, he was signed for also not, not a lot of money. So there are a lot of players that if they will have, if they want to have any kind of continuity, they will have to increase their payroll just to keep the players. And I'm not even talking about some other adjustment uh, signings. Although uh, my colleague, Orazio Kauke also reported it and also heard that that uh, they're after John Brown. And everyone's after John Brown. That's true, but what <laughs> I like that, you know, that's, that's what I'm saying about trying to find players who could help you to find some balance on your team talking mm. about defense uh, especially so yeah. john brown is a team player defensive minded player energy guy yeah. so they have they had this year enough of scores so they have, they should you know make this more like a complete actually team.
1: with this roster that they had right now not much is needed if you could replace players like brock Modem, maybe Danilo Andjushis with tougher Players, better defenders, and add more depth. It, it, and the Diallo is healthy, so you would have a good
0: r- roster. Sh- I, I'm not sure about Will Thomas, although he was great in the playoffs. But in the regular season, he was declining. I mean, you could clearly see the decline of his de- mm. his player. I mean, all the respect. But if
1: John Brown replaces Will Thomas, you're upgrading anyway. Yeah, that's true that's I true I and you're you finding know, a better if stretch you can store, afford it yeah yeah because other teams will also want John Brown to sign for them so but one thing is, is for sure that sasha bradovi has an extended contract mm. so you're kind of safe you you saw what he can do with the Euroleague team that has a lot of talent sasha bradovic to me seems like very untraditional serbian coach even though he's he's, he's strict right he has all these usual qual- qualities but he was labeled you, as a strict coach he seems to me like somebody who really appreciates american way I remember, for example, in Zvezda, the way Kevin Punter was playing with so much freedom before uh, Sasha Bradovich was fired, you could see that he's actually trusting the skilled American more than the local guys Mm -hmm. in certain situations. And it looks like he loves to coach these very skilled American players that obviously have personalities, but it doesn't really bother Sasha Bradovich that Bacon or Mike James has these let's say difficult personalities for other
0: coach maybe he would be
1: in Veselin Mitrovic's situation he
0: had some he made some adjustments he become became more flexible i would say because we all with everything what bacon did for example this year it's even hard to imagine that he stayed in the team uh, until the end of the season. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I I see your point. He's really trusting his scorers. Uh, First and foremost, he gave keys to Mike James because probably that's the only way when you have Mike James playing in a team like uh, Monaco. Mm -hmm. So he made some good, let's say, mental uh, moves uh, trying to regroup this team.
1: the The problem is if you're staying with, let's say, Mike James and Paris Lee, and I really love Paris Lee. But uh, they had to play with them together on uh, many occasions in the series because Leo Westerman was really just too slow. Uh, when you're playing with Mike James and Paris Lee, you're undersized. Mm.
0: Although, okay, Paris Lee kind of... Uh, mm. He has a lot of energy. He puts a lot of effort yeah. in defense. He's sort of like... I mean, he was just chasing Slukas but, all but the series. And I'm made not his, a like, big tough. fan of...
1: Playing undersized lineups, I mm. think if, when you have one small player, for example, you have Shane Larkin, but his star colleague is is a tall point guard, Vasilya mitsic and playing with two small guys, for example, can you imagine like um, Scotty Wilbekin and Shane Larkin being together? I don't think it would be a great idea. So,
0: what um, point guard, what floor general you see next I'm, to Mike James, Parisly?
1: you need somebody like, well, Lorenzo Brown is the best case scenario, obviously, a tall athletic point guard, but... He should be free. Yeah, yeah. but you can have Mike James as the ball handler and a shooting guard like Darren Hillard,
0: for example. Uh-huh. But well, I'm still missing the true floor general. Mike James is a floor general. Uh, and then you have somebody a, as a back. But backup. he's always a score first guy. I, I want some creator. <laughs>
1: Twenty-four points, ten assists. Great because he
0: has ball in his hands all the time.
1: So why not? It works.
0: I don't know. I just need one guy on my backcourt rotation. I just I'm just
1: thinking about more size. I don't think this team has problems with creativity.
0: I'm thinking about guy like Thomas Walker, for example, (laughs) who could tick all these boxes defensively (laughs) and offensively. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Um, Lorenzo Brown. Nick Weiler. Okay, Lorenzo Brown is off the charts. If
1: you can sign players like this. Yeah, but, that's uh, but i would be more than happy to have darren Hillert as a shooting guard pure shooting guard next to mike james mm-hmm. uh, they play together in, in moscow i just want to have more size size actually is very important in, in modern day basketball and when you can have size from second position up to f- fifth mm-hmm. and you can switch you can hide your point guard being a little bit smaller, it's, it's it's not such a big issue, but when you're playing with Mike James and Paris Lee, well, you're suffering in some situations, and when they get in foul trouble, it's it's a huge problem, so yeah, every coach actually is looking for size these days. When we're talking about centers, you want those mobile centers, that's why Dante Hall and Josh Nebo are looking very exciting on the market right now, and big, tall forwards that can guard multiple positions. Everybody wants to have them. And if you can have a tall shooting guard, even better. Mm. So that's my general idea. And and this this is no disrespect to Paris Lee because he's a great player and he puts so much heart on the court. I, I love it. But just sometimes when you're building a team, you have to think about what works and what doesn't.
0: You know, what, what I will be missing after this series, I just wanted to see where we have Papa Nicolaou and Bacon's rivalry developed. <laughs> because that was Damn. something crazy. I Damn. mean, when fans invaded uh, the court, yeah, I, I tried to, let's say, make my own random calculation. I thought I thought that it was something close to 2.5 thousand people on the court at one, yeah. at, at one time. But anyway, when these fans invaded the court, I was a bit concerned about Bacon because I thought that, somebody going to stab him. Either Papanikolaou or somebody else because that was huge rivalry through the series. Yeah, it looked like the fans
1: were more focused on celebrating yeah. the success no, of fans, their own they were, team. They were
0: great. I, <sighs> I tried to analyze all this uh, invasion at, at one moment uh, today, just before the podcast. And I tried to watch the reactions of both team players. And it was crazy because Mike James, he left... Um, uh, being in the center of the court when all the pa- fans, for the first time, they invaded the court. He was just, like, resting, you know, putting uh, his hands on his uh, knees. He was just resting, and the moment he, you know, put his head up, there were, like, almost 1,000 people uh, on the court, and everybody went for Olympiacos players to celebrate together with them, but there was one guy who kind of, you know, approached Mike, said something like, good game, good series, Mike, you know, no, no offense, although he was booed uh, by Olympiakos fans, because but... Former,
1: former power player, it's yeah, normal.
0: Yeah, and y- I agree.
1: You know, uh, the, the rivalry between Papo Nicolau and Bacon, is it was like a series within a series. Uh, mm-hmm. You can remember multiple fadeaway shots from Bacon, some successful, some not, but you will definitely remember Papa Nicolau's chase down block.
0: <sighs> it was so personal, <laughs> it was so personal. <laughs>
1: yeah. And it, it kind of reminds me all these stories that happen in the NBA when guys like PJ Tucker or Lance Stevenson try to get under somebody's skin and you can treat Bacon as a star player offensively, and all those mind games, they're pushing each other, pushing and shoving. I wanna to I think that they respect each other's game. Mm. But when you're competing on the, on the floor, you're not making friends there. They're enemies. So you want to beat them at all costs, but I respect Papa Nikola's defense as much as I respect Wayne Bacon's offense and his mentality.
0: No, it was great rivalry to watch, uh, yeah. really. And mm, going forward to the final four, I'm really happy that we will have at least one team, such a huge fan base. I mean, I expect thousands of Olympiakos fans in, in Belgrade, because we have to admit that other teams they don't have such a tradition. I mean, FS—they uh, always the have a Turkish big crowd. Turkish fans will be there, home, but it's different than having Fenerbahce in the final four. I'm just not sure uh, how many fans of FS will it go to Belgrade. It is different,
1: but I believe there will be plenty of Turkish. I think that supporters. it will be
0: like Olympiacos fans. They will be dominating uh, yeah. the stands. Then we will have FS, and unfortunately, Real Madrid fans, Barcelona fans, um, these teams won't get that much support. But you know. Clasico is already a very exciting thing, so mm. I'm kind of very intrigued about these pairs having a classico in one side and then having this Ataman predicting winning another cup and this underdog team, Olympiakos, I would say, I have some interesting feeling that they might repeat what they did it with Spinoza, maybe, maybe
1: pre season underdog, but after what happened in the regular yeah, season, yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, the pre-season underdog, Cinder- kind of Cinderella story. <laughs> well, two different teams will be facing each other, but after what Thomas Walkup did with Mike James and all the other guys defending uh, crazy, I don't have any reason to not believe they can do the same again against Mises and, and Larkin. They will face a very spirited team with a lot of warriors and players willing to sacrifice their bodies, so it's going to be great. And El classical. Well, itself, it's it's a big rivalry. I don't know if we ever had an El Clásico in a Final Four. I think
0: we had. I think we had. I don't remember, honestly, I cannot. And I have a feeling that maybe Saras was playing for Barca. I don't remember which one. Maybe it was Turkey or, or London, but I think that Barca lost in the semifinals. And maybe mm. that was even that final when Olympiacos beat Real Madrid. I just I I have some very blurred memories, uh, but not sure. Okay, anyway, anyway, yeah, anyway, doesn't make any difference. It, it,
1: it's a big rivalry. It Doesn't matter that it's a Spanish rivalry. Yeah. There might not be as many fans as, for example, the Greeks or or, or the Turkish people. But yeah, was so anyway Serbians. They and love basketball, so again, they will come to the arena. Barça, they've won all the El Clásicos so far this season. Mm. All the games were kind of different. But Most they, of them,
0: they were close. So they always found a way. That's going to be exciting.
1: They always found a way, and. You're sitting there thinking that it cannot last forever. Mm. There should be a game that Madrid will take. Why, Why not? not in Why not, the Why, Why not in a single performance? Why day not semifinal? It's it's an even bigger stage than Copa del Rey final, uh, obviously. And Madrid they should not be afraid of Barcelona right now. They had a very good series against Maccabi. They should go in there with a lot of confidence. But at the same time, Mirotić got a question on EuroLeague TV. Uh, after the game, so Madrid is waiting for you, and he just responded, "Yeah, and we're waiting for them." <laughs> so
0: you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great final four. I'm really hyped up about these players, about the you're final gonna, four. You're gonna be there, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to I'm to, Belgrade. to Belgrade, and we will do the final four preview podcast um, in the final four week. Uh, the only bad thing about it. We're talking. You know, we're so excited. We watched. We witnessed this amazing atmosphere uh, yesterday. Bar and Barcelona series were great. But the worst part is that we had this great semifinal Valencia Virtus. I, I honestly crazy. Only
1: today before the yeah. podcast, checked the score. So unfair. Found out that Virtus won. To there was so much happening last last night.
0: I even forgot
1: that there there's Euro Cup actions.
0: It's so sad, really, because yeah. these teams. I mean that that pairing at least that was worth the final of the Euro Cup, and who who watched that game? Valencia fans and Virtus fans, probably. Yeah, that's it. Yep, because yep. it was at yep. the same time like Olympiacos played. So, yeah. But either
1: way, Virtus doesn't matter. They played good or bad. They made it to the final, mm-hmm. and they're going against. I
0: concerns about they're them. going
1: against underdogs yeah uh, Bursa Sport. About,
0: um, against pitbulls
1: so yes yes but they should win it they should at the same time you never know what's gonna happen mm. but they made it they didn't play great basketball
0: but he made it yeah to the sometimes finals. you don't need to gr- play great basketball sometimes you have to play winning basketball when it's needed Especially when you're playing a knockout format. Yeah, yeah. Best
1: of one. So it's like national team tournaments. So many times we saw teams struggling in the group stage, but then clicking in the quarterfinals and fighting for medals. So the, this stuff can happen. Like, like the final four. Nobody cares right now that Real Madrid were in a deep hole mm-hmm. during the regular season. Nobody cares how many El Clasicos they've lost yeah. so far. And nobody cares that Barca have difficult series. Yeah, yeah, now it all, it all depends on from from one zero. single game. One single game. Anything and it's can so happen.
0: freaking sad that after experiencing these great, great series, you will have only more. three games. Yes,
1: you would want more series. But again, for EuroLeague to have semifinals and finals, best of five, a lot of things should be different on a basketball calendar. Mm-hmm. It's impossible to match. I mean, it would look... Awkward when a team, for example, plays a game five of a EuroLeague semifinal series on Wednesday, and then they're playing a game five of National mm-hmm. League
0: quarterfinals <laughs> on Saturday. It's just it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, probably that's how it would be because uh, having semifinals and finals in the best of five, it's like having probably even ten games. So mm-hmm. where you could put these additional ten games. Yeah. Uh, anyway. But I will see. Still we have
1: great teams in the Final Four this season. I think all the favorites won their series. I yeah, mean yeah, yeah. I mean the, the favorites according to Bookies, for example. Yeah. All all of these teams were favorites. FS, Barça, yeah, yeah. Oli, Real Madrid. So uh, no huge upsets, but at the same time we were close to some. Yeah. So it was exciting. Last year we had three game fives, this year we had two game fives. Maybe next season we'll see a true Cinderella story, like Žalgiris was going to the Final Four. Who knows? Who knows? But it's nice to have these really, really competitive playoffs.
0: Hritya Stichnevskas, Donato Follow us on basketnews.com website and also basketnews.com YouTube channel. Thanks a lot for watching. Uh, we'll, we're taking some time off, a week off. Because there's nothing
1: to talk about.
0: <laughs> Euroco final next week, May 11. We will talk okay. about this. Okay, we will include it in the, our
1: final four preview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not a problem.
0: So see you before yep. the final four.